Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on amplifiers. I am so excited to share with you today's guest because she is just starting out in her own amplifier journey, and I love being able to introduce to you all another show that can serve you. Dana Goodyear is currently a school administrator with 20 years of experience in education. She spent most of her career teaching world languages and English. She completed her doctorate degree in educational leadership in March of 2020. Building off of her own growth as a teacher, she actively provides educators with professional development on techniques to minimize off-task behavior and to increase time on on task. Dana is the host of the new podcast, Out of the Trenches, which features educators who have been in the trenches and have managed to crawl out. In this episode, Dana shares her experience leading schools during this pandemic, her journey into podcasting, and we discuss some of the awesome guests she has amplified. If you have been considering sharing your own pos- podcast, starting your own podcast, maybe Dana's story will inspire you. I am honored to amplify for you Dana Goodyear's Amplifier Story. Welcome, Dana Goodyear, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today and to share you with my In Awe community. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Dana and I have actually had conversations more recently because I was able to be on her podcast. We're going to get to that a little bit um, as we roll through here, but I just want to make sure that you have an opportunity to share with our listeners, those that aren't familiar with you, a little bit about your current context. What's going on in your world? Where are you at and what's new? So I live in the Denver metro area, a little bit south of Denver, and I'm a school leader um, in a semi-large school district and um, kind of working right now on prepping for the school year to start. Uh, you know, we have a delay of about 10 days than normal. We are doing the hybrid model, two days in the building with students um, on a rotating A-B schedule. And then um, Friday's students will be um, taught live. Um, the, uh, the teachers will be in the classroom and students will have the live lessons with both of the cohorts tuning in virtually. Um, so we've been prepping for that for a while. It was decided, I think, around July 24th, uh, kind of set in stone by the district leadership. Um, so we're, we're getting ready, you know, to kick that off. But we did get a lot of um, extra PD than we usually would have had those prep days. Usually there's only about three or four. Right. So we've had uh, we're in the middle of those 10 prep days to get ready for the school year. Um, and students will come in one day next week just for a orientation to kind of get the lay of the land right with the. Um, the masking and the social distancing and uh, my son is starting middle school. So, you know, how do you not use a locker type things? So <laughs> those type of things. So, yeah, I also have uh, three kids. I have a, a kindergartner, um, a son in middle school and a daughter who's starting a new elementary school. So uh, my older two kids have been in camps um, uh, throughout the summer. So they're used to the masks and the social distancing. Um, of course, those are not in the academic context. They're more in the sports and activity context. So I might be different um, once they're in the classroom, kind of seeing how they react. Um, and then my my youngest, we're actually going to have him in a private kindergarten because I did not think the uh, five, the three days a week at home with a kindergartner was really going to work. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a new experience to just kind of see how, how things fly this year um, and how long the hybrid model is going to work. And, you know, we're in an area that's uh, not, not testing too high right now. So, you know, I'm, 
I, I haven't been too nervous about the whole virus. Um, my, my son, um, the youngest, actually tested positive in May and none of us got it. So, um, you know, thank God we were <laughs> either asymptomatic or we didn't catch it. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard to know if you actually still have antibodies. And there's all these data points about, you know, whether or not the antibodies last and all that. But otherwise, we've been pretty pretty safe and you know we're kind of going about um our daily lives and um you know we're you know hoping for that vaccine soon just like everybody else's yeah it's so interesting to hear that all that context from you just thinking about the fact that you have kids in different spaces that you're leading a school that's going to be starting out differently than normal just to give us some perspective what grade levels do you lead and what's the population of your school approximately so I'm in a middle school setting with um, about 800 students, a little bit lower um, than last year. Um, there's about, I would say, 13 percent of students chose the um, online only model. So um, that and, you know, kids that have moved or, you know, maybe just chose one of the uh, schools because, you know, there we have a K12.com and the the um, Connections Academy, those online schools that have always been online. So, you know, there's a little bit of um, uh, loss of student enrollment there. But, um, you know, I think it's hard to know exactly what it's going to look like until kids actually show up. Like there will be a smaller group, right? There's a smaller group coming in next week because we have the, um, the student population of those who are doing hybrid divided into five. And so they're just having five groups of kids do the orientation day, meeting their teachers, kind of, you know, doing the get to know you activities. And then there'll be, um, real, real classes starting on the 24th. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it all rolls out, knowing that every location, you know, in our country is so different. Schools within states are different. It's just so fascinating to me right now to see the state of public education and the different ways that people are approaching it. And it feels uh, like there's some opportunities for a lot of growth. And yet it also feels like a big experiment. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Well, thanks for sharing all those details. It's it's really fascinating to, to consider. And I would like to just share, we have you here on the Amplifier series. And Dana and I just recently had a chat because I had the awesome opportunity to share some of my story on your podcast. So would you like to share a little bit about that journey? How long have you been at the podcasting deal? And what got you inspired to start a podcast of your own? Well, I've been, I would say an avid fan of several school leadership podcasts for probably at least three years. Um, and the ones that I always listen to are Principal Center Radio with Justin Bader, uh, Better, Leaders, but Better Leaders, Better Schools with Danny Bauer and uh, Transformative Principal with Jethro Jones. So um, I've been working with Danny Bauer for about two years now um, with private coaching and on um, his mastermind for school leaders. So I, I kind of talked to him last fall about you know starting a podcast and I, I kind of felt like I needed a bunch of um, equipment and you know I just it was at the beginning of the school year so I didn't really want to you know take that dive and it, it was kind of just something on my mind and I was also working on finishing my doctorate um, and working on the research last fall so it wasn't something I really wanted to get started with but once my doctorate was approved in March and you know there was the shutdown and we had you know we're at home a lot and I I felt like I had more time I guess you could say towards the end of the school year with things wrapping up then I I launched the um, podcast which is called Out of the Trenches. Um, back in September, I didn't really think about what the title was going to be, but um, 
I think just with the, the shutdown with COVID and, and, you know, we always talk about educators are in the trenches, um, you know, with our students, with families and stuff. Um, I kind of use that as like, well, how do you come out of the trenches and, and talking to um, people? Uh, the first two episodes, I talked to um, former colleagues of mine, of, you know, how they came out of the trenches and I knew a little bit of their stories and, um, you know, some of the people I've interviewed have, um, you know, they're, they're kind of saying, well, they're still in the trenches, but they don't see that as a negative thing. Um, you know, they, this is what they're learning from being in the trenches as an educator. So everybody views the trenches as a different context, but I, I, you know, I, I started the podcast and I wanted to inspire, um, listeners, um, you know, if they're feeling like they're in that space where they don't know if they want to stay in education, right. Um, we, we talk so much about educators leaving the field after three to five years, um, whether they're in teaching or in leadership. And um, I think hearing inspirational stories of um, educators at all levels um, from, you know, new teachers to superintendents um, helps um, anybody uh, relate to, you know, maybe, maybe that person I interviewed was in the space the listener is currently in and and they can find, you know, how did this person um, get themselves out of that situation? That's so wonderful. And I love that you drop those other three podcasts. I'll be sure to link them. Great resources, obviously, for people who are looking for leadership. And um, Jethro and Danny have been instrumental supporting my own journey too. So definitely some great resources if you're a person looking to fill your bucket in that space. And another thing that I found interesting that what you said is that your title ended up being something that people can really interpret on their own. Um, with the trenches piece, we all kind of carry with us some pre- preconceived notions about what that might mean. And it's really fascinating to see how that's kind of developing for you. And I also think it is perfectly timed <laughs> that mm-hmm. we're like in this collective mm-hmm. trench as a world, really, not just a country during that time when you're able to launch this at a time when we probably need it the most. I've been thinking a lot about the attrition rate in education and just kind of visioning what it might look like with all of the new circumstances that education is facing with this virus. And I wonder if we're going to lose a lot of really great people um, due to a lot of very, you know, varying factors. And so I just think it's really cool that you're stepping in and serving this mission right now. It seems perfectly timed. Yeah. And I've just read kind of throughout my, you know, I've been in education. This is, I guess you could say I'm starting my 21st year because I started teaching in 2000. And, um, you know, there's, I've always read data on, you know, there's teachers that leave the profession and why, and, you know, a lot of the time it's because they're not getting support at their school or, you know, maybe they're working in a toxic environment or, you know, they don't have, um, staff that, um, help mentor them along the way, or, you know, maybe they've been in the same position for, for 20 years and they, they aren't trying to branch out and they're kind of just feel like, um, it's a mundane existence. Right. Um, and then now, right now with the COVID, you have the added um, fear of um, if your district is deciding on um, in-building instruction and if they don't have the PPE or, um, you know, you don't feel like they have the plan for the social distancing and masking in place as they should be. Um, of course, there are many teachers now that uh, might not have the option to do the virtual learning piece or, um, you know, they might be choosing early retirement or just feel like they're forced to leave the education field because of uh, maybe childcare situations, Um due to uh, whatever the district their children go to um, have decided. So, um, yeah, I think now's a time. Um, I think a lot of educators are just kind of reevaluating their um, 
their passion for education, um, reevaluating like how they teach because people were, um, they were forced to, to start teaching online. And while I've, I've used a little bit of my time in the summer doing some online teaching as a freelance, uh, just some of the subject areas that I'm certified in just to, you know, practice, uh, you know, teaching kids online, if, if I've ever needed to do that in the, the district context, just to, um, but I haven't used all those like tools. I, I like to go to like PD sessions. I've been attending a lot this summer. Um, uh, for example, I'm on the board of the Colorado Congress of Foreign Language Teachers. And uh, yesterday I attended a PD session on Pear Deck. And while I've heard about Pear Deck, um, I hadn't really see, seen how it worked. So, um, you know, when you when you attend those sessions and people go through the whole thing and they, they show you how interactive it can be for students um, when you're teaching them online. Yeah, it's definitely something, you know, I would like to share out to staff and I would like to try using on my own, uh, maybe, you know, while I'm teaching some of these freelance classes, but yeah, so far I've just been using Google slides when I teach kids and I know it's not, um, probably the most uh, interactive for kids, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of, everybody's finding their own, um, way of, I think doing the online and some districts have something, uh, that set up that, you know, everybody was kind of doing uh, whatever they felt comfortable with in the spring. And now a lot of districts have bought um, licenses to, to various uh, software uh, that they're going to use for the online instruction while others are kind of still going to be on their own. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they're supported. And, you know, I, I hope that most districts do have somebody in the professional development department or the technology department that can continue to offer uh, training for staff who, who need the training on uh, online teaching tools. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you just listed a slew of reasons why we lose teachers, why we're not retaining teachers over time. And now just this added level, um, you know, I know, of course, districts have handled it very differently over time. But the fact that you referenced Pear Deck, I, I continue to hear uh, questions about that. Have you ever used Pear Deck? I, you know, I've seen it, I've seen the power of it. But again, same thing, unless you've been using a tool you know, you, it's just a lot to learn right now. And man, it's, it's feels a little bit heavy when you start to think about the new knowledge and the new learning and how to do it. Well, like you said, just, you've been doing Google slides because what you got, but we want to be able to enhance our work with the students as much as we can. But now we're asking more of teachers, you know, just, that's just the truth. So I like to hear that your district is doing 10 days, you had professional development. So somehow you've been able to work that out. Um, and that's always good to hear when we have districts that are looking to serve their, their teachers instead of just assuming everybody's got it. <laughs> um, cause I do that online instruction as well. I transitioned, I'm an adjunct professor for educational leaders here in the state of Wisconsin. And you know, we were doing a hybrid model where it was face-to-face -face and partially online, but I'll admit like the, the hybrid was way more, we spent a lot more time in our face-to-face -face time. Uh, and so it pressed me to learn how to go fully online and realize that it is a lot of work. It's a lot of front loading. It takes extra time. It takes extra effort. And you know, you, you really can't be lazy about it because you're working to engage a community and you want them to have a good learning experience. And so that takes knowledge and uh, how to cohesively put the tools all together is, is fascinating. Cause like for me, the university, they have um, a lot of tools, but I just haven't been able to play around with them. So I ended up going like defaulting back to the things that I know. Um, and then, you know, getting some feedback that, well, I could use, um, you know, for example, Microsoft, Microsoft, 
uh, what is it? Communities or groups or something like that. <laughs> if I could utilize the tool, but it's just one of those things where teachers, I mean, sure they can do whatever, but if there's a streamlined approach at the district level, that would be super helpful. Anyway, I digress, but it's, it's a good topic um, for us to be thinking about no matter if we're in education or parents or whatever, there's just a lot baked into what we're asking from teachers right now. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things, and this could be um, whether you're giving PD to adults or teaching students. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I notice is like, you don't get the, you know, like you're having that face to face participation. I give a lot of PD, you know, during conferences and, you know, I've done a couple of uh, live or recorded webinars this summer and, you know, you don't have that interaction, right? Even if it's a live webinar, because, you know, people, and I, I had like a session where I had tons of questions built in and I had, I, I uploaded like the, the materials and, you know, encourage people to, to download that beforehand. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, there was a moderator for the chat, but I wasn't really getting a bunch of people asking questions. So, um, you know, you have that as well when you're, when you're teaching students that, you know, a lot of cat, kids have their cameras off and, um, you know, you'll ask them questions and then they'll unmute themselves, but sometimes they won't even unmute themselves and they'll just put something in the chat for their answer. So it's just, it's very hard to gauge like what, um, you know, it, it, how, how engaged they are, whether they are students or adults and, 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 you know, when you can't see people's faces and they have the camera off, it's just, it's a new experience. So that's kind of one of my, like, I, I don't know if you'd say pet peeve or, or more of just of a worry, like, you know, kind of getting used to that um, environment. And it, it's good, at least where I am and that, you know, the teachers are able to meet the students twice a week. Um, and then, so they know the students in, in person a little bit. And then, so they know kind of their personalities if a kid does have the camera off or doesn't want to unmute themselves. Um, but, you know, if a, a lot of teachers in this area are starting out in different districts um, virtually. And so, you know, how do you get to know that student when, um, you know, they don't have their camera on and they don't hardly ever unmute themselves or, you know, they're just kind of passively learning, right? You're, you're in a classroom and you, you can, you know, walk up to your student as opposed to in the, in the virtual world, you know, you, you, you don't have that opportunity. So that's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, I think, a, a, a trick a lot of us have to navigate of, of like just getting more of that engagement in that relationship piece. It's so good. And, and like you said, those levels matter. I mean, I'm, my example is giving master's level learners where I, I was certainly misinterpreting their level of engagement based on their nonverbals, but then I would get these intensely beautiful reflections about the content for the day. And, you know, that's just because maybe they weren't comfortable with the video. Um, and so just, you know, providing multiple modes of communication, but they're self-motivated and working with middle schoolers or any, any student age, there is going to be a lot of engagement, um, challenge there. So I think hopefully our conversation opened up a little bit of insight for anybody who's not in the education field, but I know that the teachers are going to rise to the challenge and I know that you are leading that charge and that you are, um, to kind of get back to that amplification, helping them not only by learning yourself and being able to model it, but by, uh, amplifying the resources that are out there, which is really, I think that's going to be the important thing in this upcoming year is just getting above the noise of all the tools and figuring out what works best. Yeah, no, I agree. 
So I wanted to get back to your podcast just a little bit, Dana. Uh, you have a few episodes that have been published and you've got more coming. And so I'm curious, this um, whole topic of out of the trenches, what are some that have maybe inspired you that you would cue the listeners in to say, hey, you got to check this one out in particular um, from any one of the conversations you've had? Yeah. So, uh, one that I've gotten a lot of comments on is the, the one with, um, Frank DeAngelis, who's the retired principal from uh, Columbine high school. Um, and I'd seen him speak at a couple of keynotes in the Denver area. And he, you know, I, he, he did repeat some of the stories that he says in his keynotes on the podcast as well, but you know, that's just a leader that, you know, you're just, for me, I'm in awe of just how he led the school, uh, for, uh, another 15 years after Columbine. And he talks about how he, um, you know, there wasn't like the social media back then as there is now, but there was a 24 seven news cycle and, and just how he was able to work through that constant, um, scrutiny in the media and, um, how he sought help. He sought, um, a counseling help and, and help in his church right away after Columbine. And, and that's what got him through everything. Right. And the relationships that he built with the families in, in, in his community and, and with the students at his school, you know, it's just, it's very inspiring to, to, to hear just how, you know, he came through that and he, um, you know, now, um, coaches, uh, districts or schools that have been through those type of tragedies. Um, so definitely a leader who, um, is inspiring, I would say, and, and, um, you know, definitely an episode to listen to. And I also would suggest, uh, Jen Molitor. She's in my, um, mastermind, uh, cohort, and she is starting a, uh, new, uh, principal role this coming year. And she wrote, uh, the happy teachers handbook. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's a short read, uh, I think about 130 pages. So she talks about, um, you know, Kind of the burnout uh, phase a lot of teachers are um, experiencing, but also um, what do you do in certain situations like parent communications, uh, or if you have a, a student who uh, maybe shows up wearing something that, you know, is it inappropriate at the elementary level, you know, and uh, how do you handle just different, and I think a lot of it could, could help with uh, teachers who are um, maybe starting out or working at the elementary level, but also, you know, how do you help even at the secondary level I'm at where you have those parents who um, come in and, and, you know, want to talk to somebody right away. And, you know, how do you, how do you um, approach them, right? If they come in irate. Uh, so yeah, she has a lot of good tips there. So I would, I would suggest her episode for right now. I have 12 episodes published and I will have about 12 or 13 more in the next couple of months. So um, continuing to record uh, guests and, um, you know, I have, um, Evan Robb coming up. I have Rick Jetter coming up. Uh, so some of these uh, well-known leaders. So, you know, I just uh, encourage people to subscribe. That's exciting. And I love so much that you have gotten um, some really, it sounds to me like personal connections of yours to start it out, which I think is important and it creates this authenticity for you. But I also really love how you had Frank DeAngelis, um, I read his, they call me Mr. D just this spring and I couldn't put it down for the, um, the, the empathy that, it, that I have for that role, you know, having been a high school principal and just thinking about that, uh, like you said, he, he faced so many different challenges. And then you talk about the trenches in 1999 being one of the most well-known, uh, school shooting events and it being so different now, you know, like you said, with the 24 hours news cycle, there were some things he had to face that were 
worse uh, than they would be now. And yet um, things that he was blessed with uh, because of that. And one of the things that I, that I noted in his message was, you know, the response rate. And I just, I was, as I was listening to that and thinking about his story being amplified on your podcast, I think there'd be so much power to that um, because he really did have to suffer through some, some trauma, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and not some, but just a ton, but also just the fact that as leaders, um, you know, we have our own traumas and yet we are guiding and caring for and providing stability for people in our community who have traumas. And I think that though COVID is very, it's different, it has um, a massive impact. And so I would think that that'd be a good episode to just kind of check out and consider if you're a school leader or if you're leading in any organization, just how you might apply his um, out of the trenches advice to now um, while you're in the midst of it. I did really appreciate how, you know, he referenced there was a, there was a divorce in his life during that time. Um, But, you know, he had those, that's kind of like a casualty of, of a lot going on there. And so just leaning into his faith and leaning into a community was, was important for him. I also have to tell you that I, I kind of, um, I was jealous of it, uh, in the sense that he grew up in that community. He taught in that community. His connections were like completely inextricably tied. It is so fascinating. And the fact that he, he was willing to amplify his story, um, after all those years and publishing a book on it. And then, you know, of course, doing podcasts like yours is really cool. So thank you for amplifying his story. Listeners, you got to make sure you check it out. I will link it in the show notes for sure. And so what is your vision kind of moving forward? I know you are so smart because you have such a full-time job. And and obviously, I mean, I was listening to you and I'm thinking, okay, so you're finishing your doctorate program. You're taking it, you're teaching classes on the side. You've got three kids. Like where did you find the extra six hours in the day that I'm curious about? But you're clearly a person who has a bunch of energy and a lot of passions, but I'm curious about what you'd like to see kind of moving forward with the vision of your podcast. Now that it's been launched, now that you've been able to do a bunch of interviews, you got them in the queue, you have school coming up. Like what would you like to ultimately see from the amplification of these stories? Well, I'd like to see um, just people comment on how that's helped them. Uh, For example, uh, going forward in today's world, right? Um, I just published an episode a couple weeks ago with uh, Diana Graber, who who wrote, um, you know, uh, teaching humans in the in the digital world, and uh, you know, a lot of her organizations tweeted that out several times. But uh, we're we're learning how to, um, you know, be human in a digital world. We have so many kids right now that are, uh, you know. Constantly online, especially if they're going to be doing school online, also. But how can we keep those empathy skills? So I think um, whatever the person who I interview's story is, I want um, listeners to uh, be able to bring that um, into maybe their context, right? Whether it's uh, finding tools to, uh, as a parent, um, have your kid show empathy or or be active in the community, um, you know, as kind of a trade off for being online a lot. Or it's, um, you know, uh, being a leader in, in helping and coaching those new teachers 
um, in giving them tools to um, deal with difficult situations with students or parents, or whether it be, um, you know, avoiding teacher burnout. And, you know, as, as a teacher leader or a coach, how can uh, you help the staff members uh, avoid teacher burnout? Like I talked to um, Amber Harper for Burned In. Um, that's an episode that's coming out. So I think um, there's always going to be stories, I think, that, that listeners can take uh, some uh, take, take homes with them and, and, uh, think about how they can apply that to their lives. And that's kind of what got me, uh, to be such an avid podcast listener of those uh, leadership podcasts, because I'm listening to stories of, of these school leaders and, and, you know, authors and, and what they did maybe in their particular situations as well. And it's, it's a, I think that's podcasts are becoming more and more the, um, the PD that's just kind of, uh, you can listen to as you go, right. It's easy PD. You can take notes or, or not. And, um, you know, you could share those out, you could tweet them out. And, uh, it's just, it's very, um, convenient type of PD as, as opposed to listening to a webinar that's either live or recorded, right? There's so many that I have, I want to see from conferences that have taken place this summer, but you know, I'll get to them when I get to them. Right. So, but, but yeah, I can listen to podcasts on my run and, you know, when I'm driving and those type of things. So it's, it's very convenient. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's so good. I love how you said that um, you just want listeners to be able to share how that impacted them and that they would be able to take something specific from every story. And I also note that you have, I mean, there's going to be particular themes. And what I love about amplifiers and people who see this and what I'm getting from your message and as well as what I've had from other people like Aaron Casey that I just had on the podcast sharing that your story is so unique to you. So you may have tips from Jen Molitor about, um, um, you know, keeping burnout at bay, but then you have another uh, episode that you referenced that you shared. And I know that I spoke to that just a tiny bit and you have another guest that's going to speak to that, but it's not going to be tired because it's a different way of looking at a similar problem. And we all have something to contribute and there's not a scarcity issue in that. And so I just really appreciate that you are, you know, recognizing the fact that you're going to amplify many, many stories. And one of them is going to land the way they need to for your listeners, you know, and so that's a really cool mission that you're on. I'm, I'm excited that I get to amplify you here so others can come to it. Well, thank you so much. It's a joy. Podcasting is one of the uh, best gifts that I've had in my adult life. And I'm excited that I have you now on the in awe community. So I have, um, we, unfortunately we're getting to that point where I got to wrap it up. And so I'm curious if you're ready to answer those two questions that I have for everybody. Yes. So, um, the one about writing a letter to my former self at any age, I think I would probably write a letter to myself, um, at some point in high school, um, and just tell myself not to give up. Um, so I remember, um, you know, I, I was probably what you would call the C student in high school. Um, I've always been good at English and I've taught English, but, um, I think like math was really a challenge for me. I took algebra two twice. <laughs> So, um, you know, and I just could not understand once, once I got to like 10th grade math, I just could not, you know, understand math at all. And it was really a struggle. So, um, but I found passions in high school at, um, you know, just with, with swimming and choir and those, those extracurricular activities and, you know, working a, a job when I was 16 at a restaurant. And I think, um, you know, I remember like thinking back in high school, like, 
because I was very involved in choir and singing. Like that was my dream was to become an opera singer. And I even tried to get into music conservatory after, after high school. And I just didn't know enough music theory. And that's what, that was a requirement to get in. But, um, you know, I, I took the the path of, of then becoming a foreign language teacher and, and working with that. And um, a lot of it was because I was guiding tourists uh, during my bachelor's degree, uh, guiding tourists from Germany and France and just becoming more fluent in those languages. So, um, you know, if, if your path that you want to go on, like when I was in high school, I wanted to become an opera singer and that doesn't work out. I think you just, you know, find find something else that you're passionate for. Right. And then um, the principal um, licensure, I, I completed that like nine years ago, but it took seven years after that to get into school leadership. Right. And so I didn't give up. Right. So, um, you know, your path might be, um, twisting and turning, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you, when you keep pursuing your goal, I think, um, you know, it might not look as how you want it to, um, when you're starting out or when you're kind of in that like waiting period, but, um, eventually, you know, the right thing will come along and, um, you learn from your experiences along the way. I love it. It's, um, weaving in your mission here really well too. When you talk about just coming out of the trenches of life and understanding that it's a, it's a path and it's a journey. And I love that there's so much that you and I connect on in that, um, with music and math being a challenge and both English teachers and all of that. I, it's really kind of a cool story. And so next time I'm going to have to hear you sing (laughs) 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 or maybe we'll, we'll have to do that on the side at some point. I'd love, I'd love to do that. Um, so Dana, how about this one? If, if we have listeners that find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? Well, I think you need to find um, something that works for you to to calm yourself. Um, a lot of the time, uh, people are using those apps. I use Calm um, every day. You know, when I get up, uh, that ten minutes a day meditation. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are you know in a lot of having a lot of anxiety now with returning to school. And I think if you have somebody that you can talk to about that, you know, spouse, a family member, uh, or another colleague, I think that helps. But sometimes it's it's not necessarily talking to somebody who is in that field, right? Um, if if you're a teacher uh, dealing with a lot of anxiety, maybe it's better to talk to a family member who doesn't work in education, right? Uh, or maybe somebody who's worked in, uh, you know, an essential job that's been in the, um, you know, among among people for all these months, right? So I think uh, whatever works for um, somebody to calm, you know, like for me, I also center myself running. And, you know, when I've had stress with work or, or my kids at home or my husband, I, I, you know, I make sure I get those three times a week run as then I usually do them all at the same time every week, right? Um, it's kind of a scheduled thing, but um, you know, it gives me that sanity to, to move forward. And if I'm having a stressful day at school, I always like to get out of the building and take a walk, you know, like 10, 15 minute walk around the track or something. And, you know, that'll help me center myself as well. Mm-hmm. Such a good tip. Um, and I think one that we can all use and I don't know about the listeners and you, but one of the things that I notice, and I've shared this on my Jolt episodes, I somebody who, you know, works to coach others in this area with a balance message. And yet I found myself where I fell into my own little pit um, at the beginning of this pandemic for a wide range of reasons. And I feel like I was just sharing with my husband yesterday, I'm starting to turn a corner where I start to feel normal again. 
Um, and a lot of those things that that I had kept in place for the longest time had served me so long, had just kind of started to slowly fade away um, in consistency. And I realized once I was willing to say, look, I'm not going to let these things fall out of my life. I need to have my morning silence and my devotional be the first thing I do instead of popping on social media. You know, I've kept the running, but, um, you know, definitely the, the journaling was started to just kind of go in spurts away. And so I just, I love what you're saying here is that when you're in that pit, you know, you got to reach back out to some levels of sanity, whatever that is, whatever works for you personally. But I think the big thing is just being mindful about it and being intentional. And it won't work day one, might not work day two, but it might serve you over time um, if you hold on to it. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I I was speaking to somebody I interviewed for the podcast last week about uh, just taking Facebook off your phone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I mean, there's been those cycles when you have like all the politics going on, but I think now it's so amplified with school starting and masks and everything and everybody's opinion and whether you follow educational groups or whatever groups you follow, it just, it's too much. So I just decided, I mean, I'll probably get on and check like friend stuff every so often, but it's just not worth going on right now because you just get stressed out and there's just so much negativity. So, you know, I'm on Twitter and, you know, there's, I just follow educators there and people are just sharing about, um, you know, tips for, for starting the school year, but, you know, to, to go on Facebook and hearing complaints and comments, it's just, it doesn't serve you well. Right. And it's interesting how that particular platform, um, I would say has, it's been great at many points in life, but it is one that sucks and drains my soul on a regular basis. So good tip. All right, friend. Well, I am going to have to cut our interview off for today, but I'm so grateful that we got a chance to chat again and that I get to share with the listeners. You have so many great pieces of wisdom about you and just a lot of um, really important things for us to think about. And I'm excited for the listeners to come to your podcast. So do you want to share with them? I will, of course, link everything in the show notes. But what is the best way to engage with you after they hear this interview? So you can follow me on Twitter at Dana Goodyear, G-O-O-D-I-E-R. My website is DanaGoodyear.com. My uh, podcast, Out of the Trenches, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Um, You can also send me an email um, off of my website. So, um, yeah, I encourage you to reach out. Um, You know, I do a lot of uh, professional development um, at the district and also just at 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 state and um, regional conferences as well on teacher uh, motivation and classroom management, student engagement, those type of things. So if you're if you're interested in, you know, me uh, leading or coming and speaking to your staff, uh, reach out to me as well. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to link all of that listeners so you can get a hold of Dana swiftly. And I just appreciate you. I'm excited for the journey. And thank you for allowing me to amplify your amplifier story today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.